Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is episode number 74. It's going to be a Real Life Stories edition with a very special guest, Regina Shank. Regina, welcome to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. We're going to get into your story in just a second. But before we do, I just, as always, want to say thank you to those of you that listen to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Like it, share it, subscribe to this uh, podcast, and we hope that it encourages you. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Well, one of the areas that I'm blessed in is that I have so many good friends and I have so many people that God continues to bring into my life that I'm extremely grateful for. One of them is Regina Shank. And Regina, you, to me, you are kind of like the mother of Carthage, Missouri here. You and I both exist in the Southern Missouri Carthage area. And, uh, but first of all, give us a little brief bio of who you are. We're going to really dive into your story, but give us a, a general bio of who you are. Well, that's a good question. I have always been one who's a seeker. I'm hungry for Jesus Christ. I, um, came to know the Lord as a little girl and um, I think it was on a stump outside of a uh, dormitory at Christian camp years okay. and years ago and have just been seeking the Lord ever since, just really hungry to know him. And of course, that doesn't mean we don't have little glitches in our lives and places where we really feel like, where are you, Lord? But he is there. And um, I don't know, I wouldn't have be where I am today without knowing Jesus Christ. Okay. So you grew up in the Southern Missouri area. Are you a native of Carthage or? Actually, I'm not a native of Carthage, but I actually was, was born in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. And came back to Carthage. That's I what mean, that is That about you. It's that little East Coast flavor you got in is? there. Maybe that's what that is. <laughs> actually came back to Southwest Missouri. My mother's family is from Walnut Grove and there's a family farm there that's you know, hundreds of years old that they built out of the dirt. And uh, so that's my mom. And then my biological father was from uh, the East. And then we came back to Missouri and um, I've grown up here um, in Southwest Missouri. Wow. Then you said you grew up in a Christian home, Christian family, those kind of things. Well, yeah, I think we always went to church. We understood that uh, to be a good person, you needed to go to church. And so we went to church, but a personal relationship with Jesus developed inside of me uh, when I started going through trials and tribulations. I mean, things I didn't know how to handle. I felt like I was a good person. You know, maybe God would love me because I went to church every Sunday. I wore the right clothes. You know, I didn't cuss. I didn't run with those who do. You know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Uh It was more performance issues at that time. We felt like that was what a good Christian was, was doing good things. And then I realized Jesus said no one's good but his father. And so I thought, well, there, there goes that, you know, theology. And it was more about a personal relationship with him. And so... That developed along the way, just in desperate times. Um, what What was the branch of Christianity you were under? What denomination? Well, I grew up, up in the Christian church. You know, it just, was a five five part salvation: hear, believe, con- uh, let's see, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. So, if you did all those five things and you went to church regularly, then you were good. Okay. And um, I began to realize that it wasn't about that; it was more about knowing the Lord. You know, because, you know, John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life really is 
a relationship with Jesus. Okay. And what what age was that when you had that real salvation moment? That moment where you're like, man, now I know Jesus. Now I have a relationship with him. How well, old were you? I'm not sure. I think I was in my teens. Um, and actually, you know, I love church camp. I don't know if there are people out there listening that went to church camp, but it was a place that I loved to go. And they would have this thing like, you had to be quiet and you had to walk up on this hill and they'd have a cross up there and you'd sit down and the first thing you would hear in the morning would be worship. And it began to draw me into the presence of God. And so I feel like as a teenager, I knew the Lord, but then, you know, he was just kind of on a back burner somewhere. You know, one yeah. of these days I'll serve Jesus. <laughs> um, but as I got older and became desperate for the Lord, I, I feel like I really began to seek him when I was in my 30s. And of course, I'm older than that now, uh, a little bit. But I'm a grandmother, of course. But I found the Lord in desperate times. And what I mean by that is he was more than a distant savior. He's more than someone, you know, God is watching from a distance. He's, he's right there. He's as close as the mention of his name. We know that's a song. But I found the Lord in a new way when I began to realize there was power in him that I didn't have. And he not only saves us, but he empowers us for this life. And I wasn't doing really well with this life. Mm -hmm. I had uh, three children. I was desperate for the Lord. I didn't know how to really live for him. I tried, but my strength was gone at a certain point. Um, our son, Ryan, he was about two years old and he fell from our attic. We'd built a new house and, and he was up there with his cousins playing and there was a pull down stairway and they got in a room they weren't supposed to be in. They were all three years old, two years old. And he fell to our, down into our basement stairs from there and actually fractured his skull. And, and, um, I took him to the hospital and they sent us home. And said, well, he's just fine. He wasn't fine. And what happened then was they accused me of child abuse and that kind of thing. And, of course, my sisters were there, and they knew that wasn't the case. But uh, the next morning, I took him to the pediatrician, and they said, why didn't you take him to the hospital? I said, well, I did. And they sent us home, and they found the record. And my sister testified on my behalf that I wouldn't do that. He was our youngest. And um, so... He was in the hospital with a fractured skull and a concussion, and it wasn't repressed, so uh, he just had to stay overnight. But when we came back to church, his little ear was sticking out, and his eye was all swollen and everything. And and um, somebody looked at him and said, what happened to you? And he's he's still a jokester. He's our youngest, but he still <laughs> likes to make people laugh. Okay. And he looked at that person and said, my mommy hit me. Uh-oh. And I looked at him and I said, I didn't, but I will if you ever tell that story like that again. Yeah. But, you know, it's like. You're lucky that didn't happen today. I know. Really. <laughs> I know. That's true. 2019. But, you know, my sisters were there. They knew it wasn't, you know, wasn't true. And he's, he's a wonderful young man now. But, you know, those kind of things happen. And you don't know how to overcome that. You don't know how to walk through that. You have to have power you haven't had before. When relationship issues aren't what they ought to be, you need Jesus Christ to help you in that. And, you know, God gives you the power of forgiveness. You know, I forgave the accusations and, 
and you know a lot of things that that could have really been an offense for the rest of my life do you know what I mean there are crucial times in your life when you could be so offended that it it stops you in your tracks and you're like well I'm not going to go to church anymore because they think this or I'm not going to do this anymore because they they're accusing me and and really we can forgive people and love people in the midst of all of that and that's what happened in that situation and of course you know Ryan's growing up now he tells the story and and it was a difficult time for our family. But I needed the power of the Holy Spirit in that situation. And several other situations that came up. Um, we built a new home and my husband's income went down. And so we had to sell our new home during that situa- that time. But it was a season that God was apprehending us for his purposes. You know, because we were pursuing other purposes. We were pursuing a new home. We were pursuing, you know, a, a lifestyle of well, let's just be in the in crowd in the city and, <laughs> and, you know, we'll join this club. And, you know, I was president of JC Wives and I directed the junior Miss pageant and I started a girls club and I, I wanted to be known, you know, I wanted someone to think I was really great, you know, because I lived a life of rejection inside. And so I tried to do it externally, but the Lord was going to do it internally hmm. to let me know none of that mattered. Cool. What really mattered, I was his daughter. Let's reel it back here just a second. We had talked, um, going back to your kind of salvation moment as a teenager, it's interesting. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to talk with Pastor Jerry Davis, and he shared his story and really the power of youth camp and how that really transformed and gave him purpose and direction that he got saved, called, and filled all at the same time. And, and But now you're sharing kind of the same story of how powerful youth camp was to you, or it seemed that was a real powerful moment in your life. You can't play a big role in your spiritual development and some of your spiritual encounters with the Lord. Oh, definitely. You know, when you go to youth camp, you don't have homework. You know what I mean? I mean, you go to school, you have all this stuff that you're responsible for. But when you go to youth camp, you're away from it all. And God can apprehend you. He can get a hold of you because you're not thinking about all these things that you have to do, your homework, your friends. You're there. And it's like God sequesters you and gets a hold of you and says, hey, you've got a call in your life. I've called you for my purposes. And that's what happened to me at youth camp. And I think youth camp is a wonderful thing. And every kid should go to Christian youth camp. Yep. I'm trying to, I'm really, the point I'm trying to hammer home is to parents or people that might be listening, because I've been, I'm a lead pastor now, but I've been a youth pastor. Do not let your kids miss out on those opportunities that might mark them. We live in a very dangerous period of time where uh, I'm a big sports guy. I love sports, uh, NBA guy, UFC guy, all these kind of things. But I'm scared because we are really placing a priority on activities, particularly sports, over God and church related events. It's very scary uh, because a lot of times I'm like, well, my kid's on a traveling soccer team or, you know, they're doing uh, volleyball or soccer or basketball or baseball or whatever. And I just want to caution uh, parents, please, if there's a youth camp, if there's an opportunity for your student, your, your child to experience God, take, listen, if, if your kid is going to have to sit on the bench on the soccer team, because they went to youth camp, do it every single time. Do not let them miss out 
on opportunities that might mark them and change their complete trajectory of their life because they had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Exactly. You know, at youth camp, one of the things they'd have us do is help in the kitchen, you know, and um, your team would have to help in the kitchen that we divide up into teams. And um, there's a point to this because later on in life, I would have dreams about a kitchen and cooking food for a lot of people. And from that, we actually started a food pantry here in Carthage, Missouri, and it's been going for like 10 years now. But I would have dreams about that. And I think it originated really at youth camp (laughs) where God put in my heart a desire to reach people for Jesus Christ. And, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000 with natural food, but his point was to give them supernatural food, the bread of life, who is Jesus Christ. And that's what we do with the feeding ministry. But I I really think that originated at youth camp, that call from the Lord when I worked in the kitchen and saw all that food. And and then I had dreams about it as I got older. And the Lord began to show me that that people need the Lord and how can we reach them. And Mm -hmm. that originated, I think, at youth camp. Yeah. And another thing that originated at youth camp was I would see people sing um, duets and, you know, we'd be in choir and stuff like that. Even at youth camp, we'd do that. And I love to sing. And some of that was also originated from youth camp. Yes. So I just, not to beat that point to death, but just how powerful and, and that God... I know I got saved as a teenager, so I'm still to this day, I feel like I'm a youth pastor at heart and I just see teenagers, I see young people and I just believe that is that is the time of life where you can experience God in such supernatural and powerful ways. Do not let your student miss out on that. So you get saved. I mean, Christ really becomes real in your life. The next part I want to talk about is your your calling because today, you know, when I meet you, when I met you, you have a missions organization. You were doing Feeding Inc. You're doing a lot of things. How did that, the callings of God start to come to fruition in your life? Well, I went to a, a Christian college And at that time, the only thing women could do in ministry, they could be a pastor's wife or they could be a missionary. Praise God. Yeah. You know, and so because because there was this, you know, this thought about women that only men could preach, only men could do certain things. And so I thought, well, I'm in a box, so which which one am I going to choose? Am I going to be a missionary or am I going to play piano? And it wasn't at the, let me dive in quick. I know I had a pastor I worked for at the time. I was like, you know, you had to, you know, and then if you're the pastor's wife, you like had to play piano or play the accordion or something. And just, it's funny, right? All those little stigmas mm-hmm. that existed at that time. Oh, they did. And, and so I thought, well, I'll pick missionary because I think you have a little more freedom as a woman to preach and teach as a missionary than you do as a pastor's wife. And so I didn't know any guys I wanted to marry at that time anyway. And so I thought, well, I'll just be a missionary. And uh, that changed because, um, well, life just changed. But the call was always there. I have felt for a long time that I was called to reach people for Jesus Christ, but also to disciple them. And, and to disciple nations. You know, sometimes we forget that nations need to be discipled as well. And um, just got back from Bosnia, actually, to do some discipling in that nation. And so we have a, a ministry called Global Transformation International, which is a ministry to nations. And we also feed people locally to reach them for Jesus Christ. And so that evangelistic part of my call 
is operating in that situation. But, you know, even while we were in Bosnia, we led about nine people to Jesus and um, shared Jesus Christ with them and also did a lot of um, encouragement to the churches there. So my call, it's been there a long time. You know, sometimes when you have a call, you don't feel like you're worthy of it or you don't feel like you're prepared for it. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? You know, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. And I think identity is a key to ministry, to know who you are. Because there's this song that Alberto and Kimberly Rivera sing. It's called Royalty. And they sing it. And I would soak in that to know that I am God's daughter. And my name means queen. Regina does. means queen. But I never felt like a queen. I felt rejected. I didn't feel qualified. I tried to earn God's love. And it took a long time for me to really understand God really loves me and has called me to make a difference in the earth. And when we know who we are, we won't neglect the call, but we'll allow the Lord to prepare us for it. Mm -hmm. And I think he has to reach down deep inside of us and get rid of our shame and our rejection and all the stuff that we carry around that hinder us from really walking out the call in our lives. Okay. So you went to Bible college and you're like a missions major or something like that at the time? Was that Ozark? Was that Ozark? It was Ozark Christian College, yes. And... um, I I really wasn't sure what I was preparing myself for. I just knew I was hungry for Jesus and I needed to know more of the word. Mm-hmm. And we actually memorized the word of God a lot. And so that I'm thankful for that, getting the word of God inside of me. But it came alive once I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was so hungry for Jesus. And um, I knew there was more that I needed. And so I cried out to the Lord and he filled me with the Holy Spirit and after that time, the word began to come alive. I love Luke 24. And it's, you know, the road to Emmaus where Jesus is talking to the people that don't even know who he is. And at the end of that, when they recognized him, they said, did not our hearts burn within us Hmm. as he talked with us along the way. And once I got filled with the Holy Spirit, the word began to burn within me. It came alive and it changed my entire life because Mm -hmm. I realized it was more than just words on a page and more than rules to live by. It was living and could change your life. Yeah. What was that? Talk, talk to me about that for a second. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, what, what was that? Was that a, a prayer? Was that a, at a service? Was that, what, what is that for people who are like, what, what, what is she talking about? I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Describe that for me. Well, you know, Jesus says in the last days, I'll pour my spirit out. And he also says that, you know, that we can have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, I know when I was born again, the Holy Spirit came in. Mm-hmm. But I felt like there was more. And I had not only to have him within, but I needed him to just take over. And, uh, you know, so many times we're so we're control freaks, even about our own lives, you know. And the Holy Spirit wants to control our lives. And so I was so hungry for Jesus. And actually it was here at, your, at this facility where it happened. Uh, I had a, a friend who I, I talked to her about it and uh, had some classes on Holy Spirit. So we went to what's called the altar, the bench up front, you know, Uh and uh, so we were, you know, I was on my knees and really desperate for Jesus. It was a Sunday night and, and you had people say, hold on. You had people say, let go, that kind of stuff. And, uh, but they were genuine in their prayers for you. And I was happy about that. It didn't happen there. I mean, it may have, but I didn't manifest speaking in tongues. And on the way home, I happened to be by myself that night. I was in the car 
driving down Baker Boulevard. You know where that is. It's right yep. here in front of this church. <laughs> and so I get to the stop sign that isn't there anymore. Uh, I get to the stop sign and I uh, say, okay, Jesus, you said if I ask you that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to open my mouth and I'm going to believe that you're going to give me a language that I've never heard before. And I opened my mouth and the power of the Holy Spirit, a new language came out of me. It sounded like Asian or something. <laughs> and um, I didn't know what it was. And I couldn't quit. I just kept praying in the Spirit until I got home. And then I, I just started crying because I thought, Jesus, you're real. You're real. And I knew he was. But for him to manifest that gift inside of me yes. changed yeah. my entire life. I love the phrase that you said, a very simple phrase, but an encouragement to all of us, no matter what stage of Christianity that we find ourselves in, there's something more. Isn't that amazing about our God? No matter what stage, what age we are in life, there's always something more. God is God is a God of constant newness, constant refreshing, constant pouring out. I mean, it's not just about getting saved. There's more to that. You know, so many of us, you know, as a pastor, uh, seeing people you know, oh, you need save, you need Jesus, you need, yeah, you need Jesus. But it's the fun part is after you get Jesus, right? That's sometimes we talk about the pre story and we really hype up the pre Jesus story. And then we get to the part where we get saved and we kind of just kind of stop right there. The, the best part of the Jesus lifestyle is the after part. Amazing. The, there's the, yes. there's more part. That's the fun part. It is. You know, because it says deep calls to deep. At the sound of your waterfalls, all your breakers are washing over me. And there's more of him. He is so amazing. And, you know, when you get a revelation, what I mean, like the Holy Spirit just says something to you and you never saw it before. It's amazing that he's speaking today, daily, if we would just take time to hear his voice. Here, here's one little story about that. And in the story, I I was praying about a situation and someone had asked me to come to actually Lebanon, Missouri and do some a series of teachings in a home group that they had. And I was praying about it. I'm in my Bible and it says, go to Lebanon. I'm praying about whether to go to <laughs> Lebanon. There it is right there in the Bible. People say, well, you know, that wasn't for you because you weren't there. And they were talking to somebody in the Bible. And, you know, <laughs> they just kind of negate that stuff. But the word is living. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit can say that to me out of the Bible if he wants to. And <laughs> yeah. he did. And so, you know, I love it when he does that. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, the Lord called our, our ministry to go to Egypt out of Isaiah 19 and the Lord said, I want you to go to the middle of Egypt and I want you to um, establish an altar of worship there. Well, that's out of Isaiah 19. Really, God, you want me to do that? Honestly? Wow. Yeah. And and we did do that. And But I asked the Lord for confirmation. So here's another story about God speaking. Uh, he not only speaks out of the Bible, he can speak through secular songs. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm yeah. driving down the road. I'm saying, okay, God, you really want me to go to Egypt and take a team? And Probably not all, but some secular some, songs. Yeah, not all. You're right. And so, you know, I'm listening to the radio and I'm praying, Lord, you want us to go to Egypt and do this thing, establish an altar worship in the middle of Egypt. And and so I'm, I'm turning channels on the radio and it goes, see the pyramids along the Nile. Just remember, darling, you belong to me. Well, this is a secular song. I'm praying about Egypt and this song comes on the radio. You can't make that stuff up. God <laughs> speaks today. Right. Yeah. And if we have a personal relationship with him, we're not just a church goer, but we are a person who seeks the Lord, 
then he will speak to us in ways that we get it. So we actually did do that. We went there in, in the town of Luxor and met with somebody we hadn't even met before. And the Lord just allowed us to obey his mandate to do that. Wow. Talk about being uh, a little bit about, you know, meeting your husband, being a, mo- a mother. I'm thinking of people, I know some people that listen to this podcast that they're mothers, uh, they have children. Talk about, you know, a little bit about how you met your husband. And then as you have kids, how do you be a mother, a woman living at your calling and living for Jesus in the, the context of all of that? Well, here's the story. And, um, Hopefully it'll help the mothers out there because I was doing seminars. I had a live radio program. I was teaching and the Lord said, uh, go home. And I, I said, what? And he said, what I've given you, you when have... he said, that, sorry, when he said that you were at this point, you're married and had kids. I was married. I had kids, had three children. Yeah. I was doing ministry and the Lord spoke to me and he said, uh, everything I give you, you have to put in an open hand. If you clutch the things I've given you, you'll clutch the power right out of them. And he said, I've given you ministry, yes, but now is not the time. I want you to go home and take care of your family. So I went home for seven more years and raised my children and my family. And it doesn't mean I wasn't praying and I wasn't doing a little bit of women's ministry along the along the way, but I focused on my you know, focus on the family. I'm not the guy that does that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I did that. And um, so at the end of that, I was in my bedroom and I was um, searching through some old papers and a paper fell out of a notebook and it said, I've called you to nations. And it was a note I had done years ago. But I think, you know, at that time, my, my children were the priority not ministry, although you can raise your children and be in ministry, but I needed to focus on them. And uh, I remember telling that story on the radio show after I was back in ministry, and I met with this man and his associate pastor, and we were talking, and we were having coffee, and the young man said, you know, I told my wife that I heard a story one time on the radio from a lady who said she went home and took care of her children for seven years and I told my wife she probably needed to do that. And I looked at him, and I said, that was me. He said, that was you? Wow. He said, mm-hmm. that helped my wife hmm. to know her priority right then was the children, although she did have some ministry going as well. And so I I tried to be obedient to the Lord, because sometimes we get ahead of God. Yeah. <laughs> and I was getting ahead of the Lord in my call. And, uh, you know, my children are wonderful, and I did want to raise them. In, in the Lord. My son, my youngest son, we were talking actually this weekend. He said, Mom, I was singing. We were in the kitchen and I was singing a song, Abba, I belong to you. He said, Mom, I love it when you sing. And he said, I remember when you'd put me to bed at night and you would teach me uh, the scripture. I said, do you remember John 14, 6? And he started quoting John 1, 1. I said, well, you got him a little mixed up, but yeah, you do remember <laughs> And so he was thankful for that, you know, mm-hmm. and and so I think there's a balance there. You know, your children are very important, but ministry is also important. So you just have to hear from the Lord on the timing of that. Yeah, and I, I, I find myself repeating or talking about certain themes often, and definitely one of them is the timing of God. That, you know, God sometimes speaks things into your life, and they don't come to fruition for 
years down the road or uh, sometimes they come to fruition completely different than uh, what you had perceived them to be. A story that I have is when I, before I became a lead pastor, I distinctly remember it. I was at district council in South Dakota and it wasn't, uh, it was just right in the middle of worship, right? You know, there was no, um, there's no speaker talking about callings of God or, and I just remember distinctly the Holy Spirit saying, I'm preparing you to be a lead pastor. Just, just right in the middle of the worship. And then after that weekend, I went, uh, back and I sat down with, I was a worship pastor. I sat down with my lead pastor and said, I really feel like God spoke this to me during district council. And I just submit that to you. And it was not till a year or two later that he, he resigned and retired, not resigned, but retired from that church. And I remember in that time, then I had actually applied to be the senior pastor at that church. And I really remember I had like some visions and dreams and I was getting all hyped up. And I kind of thought that was the place. You know, I was going to be the lead pastor of that church. And I remember one of the deacons called me and said, Hey, we appreciate you interviewing and giving us your resume, but we're going to go in another, one of my least favorite phrases in all the world, we're going in another direction. So don't ever tell me that. That's like one of my least favorite phrases ever. When someone tells you that, right? Right. We're going in another direction. But uh, anyway, I remember (laughs) being frustrated about that and going back into church the next day and kind of praying and being at the altar and was like, Lord, why did you give me these visions and these dreams? And you said I was going to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And the Holy Spirit kind of just slapped me upside the head. It was like, what? Jeremiah, at what point did I tell you, you were going to be the lead pastor of this church? Right. Uh, That's not what I said. That's, that's what you said. And so it's funny, we have to be careful as we're in the journey of faith and our callings that sometimes we like to add to the story. We put our, we, it's not that, that the word of God that he spoke to us is wrong, but we like to start kind of adding our nuances. And I think God is like sitting back sometimes and being like, that's not what I said. Like you added that part to the story. Now what I told the, <laughs> the foundation of what I told you is true, yes. but you, we, you added a few parts there, Jeremiah, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, the timing of the Lord is so crucial. You know, I, I've always wanted to uh, write books and, and actually at the age I am now, I'm on my fourth book, but years ago I didn't get that done because I really didn't know how and the connections weren't there. And, you know, I think sometimes you, you have to wait until the Lord opens those doors. I mean, I've had a battering ram sometimes with God and said, get this door open now, but it wasn't now it's later. And he puts all of that together for us in his time. And I love how he does that. He makes all things beautiful in his time. And, uh, you know, sometimes I look at the Lord and, and, you know, well, look at him, you know what I mean? I talk to him. And I say, do you know how old I am? You know, because I have dreams and visions that aren't fulfilled yet. And I think God does that because he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to to go after him, not just the dreams and visions themselves. Here's a little story. I, I was mad at the Lord. You ever get mad at the Lord? Yep. I mean, I got upset with him because I thought, you're telling me all this stuff, and where is it, you know? I'm like the donkey, and I am just going after this carrot, and all you have is this carrot in front of me, and I'm never going to get it, God, and I was so upset, and I'm the donkey going after the carrot, so just put the carrot there and just make me walk around following it, and I was just really frustrated with my life at that time, so I was going up to St. Louis, and we were doing a meeting up there, and uh, this man comes up to me, 
And he said, uh, you know, I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you. I didn't know this man from anybody. He looks at me and he says this phrase, you're going to get the carrot. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> he said, you're going to get the carrot. And he walks away. And I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, <laughs> you heard my desperation. Mm -hmm. You heard my cry. Yeah. And and so a friend of mine, I told her the story. She bought me a pin that looks like a carrot, and I wear it sometimes okay. just to remind <laughs> myself that God is faithful and God is true. And perhaps it's not the timing we think it should be, but he is faithful. And those dreams and visions, we can't give up on them. Yeah. Because they will happen in his time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And some of them are, are uh, even at a, where I'm at right now. Some of the things that God is doing, I, I'm reminded of because I'm a pastor. And so part of being a pastor, you do funerals at times. Some of the things he's actually working and speaking in us are for eternity. They're not for now. They're actually not actually for this life. We think they are. Some of the things that God's doing in me right now uh, are for eternity. They're not even for right now. Even some of the leadership things that I do, some of the callings. Are, and so it's just going to be amazing. Let's just wrap up with this kind of question here, Regina. If you had the opportunity, because you're not, I'm not, it'd be disrespectful to ask you what your age is on the, the podcast. I made Pastor Jerry do that. He's an old guy, right? And he's like <laughs> Yoda, 75 years yeah. old. But if, if, and we could probably do this with technology today, but if, if you had the whole church right in front of you right now, you know what I'm saying? Like we could just you were standing in front of the church and I'm, and I mean, every denomination, every, uh, what, what's the sermon that you'd preach? What do you find your life anthem being at this point in your life right now? I think the anthem for me is that God is alive. He has a destiny for you and he wants you to pursue it because in Psalms 139, 16, it says in his book, all your days were written before there was one of them. He had a plan for your life before you were born. He dropped you into this earth and he wants you to pursue that plan and he wants you to walk it out. And I too have the theme, and I heard you say that earlier today, to know God and make him known. That's, I think, is the destiny of every person, yeah. is to know him and make him known elsewhere because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're living in a foreign country of the world <laughs> and we're to take heaven and declare it into this earth. And I believe I would tell everyone listening to this podcast, you have a destiny. If you don't know what it is, here it is. Know God and make him known. Yeah, and then there are other things he wants to tell you and to work out in your life. And sometimes we get so caught up in our problems, but God is a problem solver. And, you know, the things that you have gotten victory over, then you can help somebody else get victory over it. So... Don't be apathetic about your call. Find out what you're called to do. Get yeah. equipped to do it and go forth. Amen. <laughs> and as it is in heaven, so let it be in the earth. Yes. Be God's ambassador. Well, I appreciate your encouragement, your influence in my, my life personally, your influence in this area, Southern Missouri, Carthage. Tell people, for those of you that have listened to us talk the last few minutes, like, man, I really love this Regina lady. I want to hear more about her. You have a website, uh, some other ways, social media, et cetera, that people can follow you or connect with you? We do. Our website for our global ministry is globaltransformationinternational.com. So you can get on that website. We have, uh, uh, there's videos on there. We also have a Facebook page. We do a video once a, a month and share what we're doing and where we're going and 
like I said, we just got back from Bosnia. We plan to go to Scotland next year. We're looking at Uganda and Russia. And so we take uh, short-term missions and go over there and disciple nations, actually. So, um, yeah, you can get to know us there. We also have our feeding ministry, feedinginc.com. And so those are two ministries we've started here in the city. I'm also part of Carthage Minister Alliance and um, just a a lot going on in the city. (laughs) Just get plugged in. Yeah. Amen. Well, we appreciate all of you that listen. Share it with a friend. Thank you for listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We will talk to you next time. 